You're listening to episode 291 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today I am bringing on a very dear friend of mine, Dr. Jade Tita, who has also been on the podcast before. He is a crowd favorite, listener favorite on this podcast. And he is a naturopathic doctor. He is the author of multiple books. He's also the founder of Next Level Human, um, both the podcast and the brand. And he is incredibly well-versed in philosophy and psychology. And he just He and I regularly have uh, long, in-depth conversations about romantic relationships to the point where we're actually working on a couple projects around it. And that will include a series of podcast episodes uh, over the next little while dedicated to exploring different aspects of romantic relationships and really digging into some of the issues that I feel don't get given uh, quite as much attention as they need to and giving you actual tools that you can use in your relationships that make you find you may find that they completely change how you show up and the connection that you are able to build. So one of the things, the biggest thing that we're going into today is this idea, this concept of confident detachment. And I learned this from Jade uh, about a year ago. And when he first introduced me to the idea, and I'll get into this a little bit more in the episode, I was a little bit skeptical. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And I think it was because I didn't fully understand the concept. So I really want you to pay close attention to this because this is one of the most powerful and empowering tools you can have in your relational toolbox. All right, so confident detachment is the topic um, of discussion. And you, you and I talk about this usually in the concept or the context of romantic relationships but it really could be used in any relationship so let's start with um, each of our definitions of what this is so if I had to describe um, what confident detachment is it, it essentially means the confident part means that I'm going to come to you with my honest beliefs my um, desires my wants. I'm not going to hide anything. I'm going to be authentic and honest. And in the romantic context, I'm essentially going to say, look, I'm into you. Um, I like you. I'm available to be chosen. And as a man, you know, usually we are the pursuers and women are the choosers almost always. So I'm essentially just showing up and saying, I'm into you. Here's my sort of desires. Here's who I am. Here's my wants. Here's my needs. And then the detached part essentially says, now that you know everything about me and sort of my honest, authentic wants, desires, needs, preferences, I'm also now saying I'm detached and without expectation for how you show up. So I'm not going to expect you to text me a ton. I'm not going to expect you to do things my way. I'm going to sit back and say, I'm detached from the outcome now that you have all the information. And from my perspective, it's a vetting process, right? Because in a sense, in any relationship, we don't just want to show up and say, well, I'm going to be the person that you want me to be. We want to show up and say, here's who I am currently. I choose you, but I'm detached from the outcome in terms of needing you to choose me in the way that I am showing up. And I think it's a powerful place to come from, although difficult to do. And so how do you see it um, when you think about confident attachment? It's interesting because when, when you and I first started having conversations more seriously about confident attachment about a year ago, I took it as being very removed and detached from the person. 
that I was trying to show up in a confidently detached way. And we, we, you kind of had to, to explain it to me a slightly different way for me to really get it. Because I think that there's, for anyone listening to this, who is maybe, um, identifies as a little bit more anxiously attached, if we're going to go the attachment theory route, that is how I identify as well. Way more secure than I was years ago, but I do still identify with a little bit of anxious attachment. And to me, this whole concept around confident detachment, um, it, it makes it, it makes me feel even more in my own power because I'm giving someone else the option to show up for me or not. And yes, that doesn't mean that you're not still sad or, or upset or feeling all the feels if it doesn't work out. And if, if the outcome doesn't um, go the way that you want it to, but you, you can be a little bit removed from it. And we talk about vetting a lot. And this is a huge way to vet people because the other aspect um, that you and I have talked about is showing up in a way where we let someone know that we want them, that we want to be with them, but that we don't need them to survive. And that's the other aspect of the confident detachment is that we're also stating our needs. And this is a tough conversation to have for a lot of people because there's such a fine line where we can feel like we don't want to be needy. We, we don't want to show up in a needy way. But what that sometimes translates into is then pretending that we don't have needs at all and then just molding ourselves to fit whatever will hold the relationship together with that person while denying that we actually have needs. You can be independent and still have needs. And if those needs can't be met, then that is part of the vetting system. But you also have to communicate that and to understand that we can't control whether someone else is going to be able to show up for us in that way that we need or not. So that's where we have to be a little bit detached from sort of letting the chips fall and then seeing what comes as a result while still showing up the way that we want the other person to show up for us too. Like, how do you want to show up in a relationship? Show up that way be open. Don't, don't dip your toe in the water and call it confident detachment. If you're going all in, go all in with the understanding that it might not work out the exact way that you want it. Yeah, I, I think that that's exactly right. I think the confident part is essentially, um, and by the way, to have that confident uh, part, you have to know yourself pretty well. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, you know, um, you have to be authentic to yourself. And that's a conversation in itself, because one of the things about authenticity that I think is important is um, there's different ways to be authentic, right? You can be authentic to a past self. You can be authentic to who you currently are, or you can be authentic to who you would like to be. And if we take the perspective of relationships being growth oriented and helping us get to who we want to be, I think when I talk about authenticity, I'm talking about being authentic to who you currently are and who you wish to be, right? So there's this sort of like, I am this thing now. Um, I would like to be a better human. And so I will be authentic to that particular, um, that wish. And usually when we're choosing a partner or a friendship or any kind of relationship, we're usually choosing them based on the imagined better self that we could be. And so when we think about authenticity, I do think it's those two things. Who are you presently? And, you know, you don't want to blow smoke. You don't want to pretend you're someone you are not. But who are you trying to become? And you get to practice being that person in this new relationship. So you lay all your cards on the table. So from my perspective, there is no room in this way of functioning to play it safe or play a game or any of that. As a matter of fact, what essentially confident detachment is, it's, it's that old saying, it's like if you want to win a game, then play a different game. Don't, you know, don't play the game other people are playing. Play your own game. Confident detachment is essentially saying, I'm not playing dating games or I'm not playing this normal way of showing up. Here's everything you need to know about me and how I feel about you. That's the confident part. Now, the detached part is essentially saying, I've just given you everything about me. Now I'm going to see if you show up. And the thing is this, it's not detached. You're detached in my mind from um, whether they like you or not. You're not detached from um, the idea of vetting them. So when we talk about vetting, it's not like you're, you're not completely like, I don't care what you do. You're vetting. And that's why the, the, the conversation of authenticity and, and your 
who you currently are and who you want to be shows up because in the detached part, you're essentially saying, I'm detached from trying to force you to be a particular way. I'm simply going to watch how you show up. And based on that, then I will make my confident moves more towards you or further um, away from you. And so I, I, I think it's one of these things where um, it allows space for the person to go, okay, this person is telling me everything I need to know, and now I get to show up the way um, that I will. And then at that point, the confident, detached person gets to say, okay, I like the way you're showing up, and this could work, or no, it's not going to work. And, and I, I'm just, I'm kind of tired of this old rhetoric that keeps floating around in terms of, you know, like wait three days to call if, if, if you're super into them or any of those, it, this, this completely removes all of the bullshit. It also is incredibly vulnerable mm -hmm. because you have to show up if you're really into this person, you're letting them know, and you also are aware that you might get rejected. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like showing all of your cards but what's the alternative? The alternative is, is all of, I always go back to the alternative when we, when we aren't, when we choose not to be vulnerable is living with all of the what ifs. And I don't do regret. I know that you and I've talked about that. That's a choice for you as well, that you choose to not do regret. This is a really great way to not do regret in relationships is instead of just wondering like, oh, if I had just said this thing or showed up this way or something like that, if you put your cards out on the table and say, hey, I'm super into you. I would love to spend time with you. I would love to get to know you better. I would love to be in a relationship with you, whatever that looks like. Then at least you're giving them the option and you're letting them know. You're giving them all of the necessary information to make an informed choice. And then the, it's, it's open to see what happens next. And part of the, the joy of, of relationships, I love that you mentioned um, who we can become with a new person because that's, that's that excitement. When we get involved with somebody else, we don't always fall in love with the other person so much as we fall in love with the idea of who we could be with that person. And that's the part that we have to remember. That's that initial sort of like excitement and stuff. Yeah, we're super pumped about them too. But we're also thinking to ourselves, hey, this is the version. I really like this version of myself and who I am with this person. Mm -hmm. And that can be part of what we kind of fall for too. And that can, that's a beautiful growth opportunity, whether it works out or not. But we still have to understand and realize that we we can't, we can't make somebody else's choices for them. And that if they aren't super into us, it's not a reflection of us. Mm. It's not a reflection of who we are as humans. That's also very difficult to manage because this is where self-esteem comes up, worthiness. I must not have been good enough. Um, all, of, all of those types of things can kind of come up. This is where we get crushed <laughs> in, in romance. And no matter how far are, you are into the relationship, this is where we can absolutely get crushed. Yeah. I, I think um, that it's really interesting because you said, you know, um, someone else is free to reject you at that point. Here's the interesting thing about this approaching relationships this way from my perspective. When you are confidently detached, and by the way, it doesn't mean you don't care, mm -hmm. right? Matter of fact, you care deeply. What you're, all you're saying is I'm detached from how you show up because I can't control that. But the, the interesting thing is you actually cannot, from my perspective, be rejected when you are confidently detached. And here's why, because you're essentially saying, here's who I am confidently, authentically, both now and who I would like to be in the future. And now I'm just essentially saying, do you um, fit with me, right? And so it's essentially, you're, when you lay your cards out like that, you're essentially saying, do you fit? It's kind of like going to, you know, trying a new pair of shoes and you're basically like, hey, grab me this pair. Let me see if it fits. So you're putting yourself out there and saying, hey, I like this particular shoe. Let me try it on. And then it either fits or it doesn't fit. And so in a sense, you're really the one who's vetting and rejecting, right? It's just that you're not doing the actual thing where you're like, well, I don't like you because you're not showing up the way that I want you to show up. It's more saying, here I am. Do you think you're a good fit for me? Or do I feel like you're a good fit for me? Because once you start showing up this way, they begin um, to respond or not. And there's another aspect of this, by the way, that I think is critically important. And I want to hear what you have to say on this. But from my perspective, one of the things about showing up 
romantically, at least for me, and I do think this is the best way to do things uh, with people, is that you don't show up being like, I want to get with this person, right? You show up first and you go, um, can I be friends with this person, right? That's the first. And then it's like, am I romantically into this person? From my perspective, that's the mature way um, to come at this. So in a sense, when you're confidently detached, what you leave open the possibility always for just a friendship. And you also leave open the possibility for romance further down the line for it to grow. So what it does is it appropriately, because most relationships are about timing and circumstance anyway, um, and then communication. And so confident detachment essentially says, okay, I get maybe now's not the time. Okay, I get our circumstances may not be lining up right now, right? Okay, I get that, you know, um, we, we need to time to communicate and get to know each other. And so it leaves open lots of possibilities. Um, and there's lots of different variations of relationships. And sometimes we are not even fully aware yet the nature of the relationship we would like with someone. Like you and I have been talking recently. I have, you know, several different friends that I could potentially go romantic with. And part of the way I like to show up in that is basically just go, let's hang out as friends. And it's interesting because the way I show up is like if I ask you to dinner, you know, I'm really asking you to dinner as friends. Yes, I'm curious about romance, but my confident detached state essentially goes, I have no idea. As a matter of fact, I might find you cute in any number of ways, but I want to show up as my authentic self and see, are we friends? Are we, uh, you know, maybe um, occasional lovers? Are we really going to get, like, are we really compatible as partners? Uh, to, from my perspective, it solves all this stuff that we do because I think what happens very wrongly in this in the relationship space at least in romance is people go i want you they put all their eggs in that basket they show up uh in this very uh you know needy's probably not the right word but this very one-dimensional way it's like either we're going to get romantic or we're not and if we're not then we're not going to be friends and i don't want to see you and everything dissolves which i just think is a very silly way for mature humans to show up and so I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but I do think it really is you doing the vetting. It's, it, it takes away this idea of being rejected at all because when you show up this way, it's like you say, Here, here's who I am, here's everything on the table, and they either fit or they don't fit. And from that perspective, you're doing the rejecting because you're essentially saying you either show up in this space or you don't. And by the way, the confident part does give you room to manipulate. Just because you're confident doesn't mean you're arrogant and, you know, completely not bendable. Confidence just means here I am, here's how I currently see it. But they may say something that changes that sort of, uh, you know, way of coming at the world. And so it works for both people in my mind. I, yeah, I, that's a great point on several fronts. And I think um, that the other important part to remember is that I, I've talked to a lot of people about this lately. When we first start dating, when we're in our late teens, early 20s, you're, you're sort of starting something brand new with somebody and, and everybody's kind of on the same page and going through the same stage of life. And, and that's beautiful. That's great. When you start dating as an adult with a full, complete, complex, multidimensional life of your own, and then you start dating another adult with a the same situation, their own very full life, it's kind of like you are, you're each still writing the end of, of the chapters that you're currently in before you can start to write a chapter together. Mm. If you determine within a confidently detached state that they are a good fit to at least explore with. And we rush this part too. And, and I, I've absolutely been there because you, you do, you get excited about somebody and, and it's great and it's fun and you just kind of dive in head first. But I do think that there's a lot of benefit to the friend aspect first because you get to know how someone shows up in the world. You get to see different sides of them. You get to maybe see them in different situations and how they react under stress or when they're tired. And uh, maybe when they travel, if, if you end up traveling together or something, you get to see all these different layers and that's going to help you determine if you want to write a chapter with this person. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the difference between you know, a lot of people will maybe have been in uh, long-term relationships since their early 20s. I was one of those people. Um, and then you get into the dating world 
in, in a very different period of time in your life and shit looks different. Like it's, it's just, it's a different experience. And I talk to people all the time who maybe, you know, they don't feel like they have time to date because of work or whatever. And, um, there can be things planned that, uh, create timing and circumstance issues with other people as well. That's going to present problems. There's, there's just so many different factors here. And if you can move through some sort of a friendship first, I do think that there's a lot of power in that because you really get to see different sides of people. Mm. You can bring them around. We were talking about this the other day, like bringing people around your, your friends or family members or stuff or something like that, seeing how they react with other people. Do you feel like you have to babysit them in social situations? All of these are important things to know for the long term. You don't want to be at family Christmas 10 years from now and feel like you have to stay by their side every moment because they can't function by themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's just one potential, you know, example that I'm throwing out there, but it is important. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny to hear you say that because to me, um, you hear this a lot with people where they're just like, I feel like I have to police or babysit my significant other or they're dating someone and they're like, oh, and this is especially, I feel like true of women when women bring men around their friends. Um, and that man seems to not be able to be by himself like it's kind of like the that quintessential cocktail party where you know you're bringing someone you're inviting a man let's say you're a woman or you're a, a guy inviting a, a, a woman and you're it's all your friends and that other person doesn't know anyone now the way they show up in that can be completely a turn off or completely a turn on based on how comfortable they are just you know maneuvering through you know sort of the, the social realm. Um, we all want someone, and I think this is especially true for women, but correct me, Emily, if I'm wrong here. I think we all want people who are socially agile, um, socially adept, um, able to have conversations with people, not feel like we have to come to their aid. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing like looking across the room and, you know, seeing the person that you're romantically interested in and seeing them engaged in conversation with other in a confident way and not being like overly anxious or ha giving off weird vibes because you're talking to, you know, um, a different group of people. To me, that's absolutely huge. And it shows up, um, in all kinds of scenarios. And so let's, to, to kind of dial this in a little bit more, let's talk about um, just the confidence piece. So obviously, you know, you and I are, you know, cis-het, you know, cis heterosexual male female. So we're speaking from that perspective. So when you, um, you know, are uh, thinking about a confident, the confident aspect of confident detachment, and you're thinking about how, a male, how, how does a confident male show up for you? Like, how would you define that? What's it feel like uh, for you? And the reason I ask is because I just want to give, you know, the men, and then maybe we can give the, the women sort of like a, a nice picture of what that confident uh, aspect looks like without them being like, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, for one thing, I mean, since you mentioned that uh, about being interested for one thing, it, to me, the confidence, the confident detachment is hot. Mm. Like the, if somebody is going to actually express interest as opposed to leaving, leaving you guessing, like, are they into me? Are they not into me? There is nothing more attractive than someone who is super consistent. I have no time or patience for people who are not consistent at this point, super consistent and very honest, open, and genuine about how they feel about me. Mm. Like if they're expressing interest, great. Like that's that's attractive. I also want to know that they are self-sufficient, that they can, you know, <laughs> everything from being able to be financially stable to cooking their own meals. Like, can can you take care of you? I'm not here to be your mom. <laughs> no one's into that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make sure that you can hold it down for you because that's also a really significant, I would argue particularly for the feminine, that's a really significant clue to me around, can I trust you? Can I trust you to hold, hold, hold it down for me? And, and I don't mean like, like financially support me. I mean, like, can you like emotionally be there? Because if you can't emotionally be there for yourself, and show up for you, 
I don't know how you're going to do it for me. Mm. And, and not because I'm outsourcing my emotional needs, but because in a healthy relationship, you, you are not two completely independent humans who don't need anything from each other. There is some interdependence that has to happen there in order to cultivate that connection. And a huge part of that is trust. And I need to be able to trust that you can stand on your own two feet without me there to hold your hand. Mm. I want to know that you're into me. I want to know that you would love for me to um, come cheer you on at something that you're great at. Uh, you know, like I'll, I'll be your number one fan if you do something awesome, like in your career or something or whatever that looks like. That's, that's amazing. I just need to know that you you don't need me to function. You don't need me to make it through the day by yourself mm. because that's, that's not attractive. That's not an attractive quality. Yeah. yeah it's interesting for me. I, I feel like, um, maybe I'll just, uh, I'll go through the male stuff too. And then we can go through the, the female stuff. I kind of look at it like men in my mind, this is the way I look at it in cis hetero relationships. I, I essentially go, men are almost always the chosen. They are not the choosers. Women choose. Men make themselves available. So confidence to me is a man essentially making it very clear to the woman, I am available to be chosen. Mm -hmm. So what that essentially looks like is, you know, I would like to go out or, you know, let me get your number or, you know, any number of overt sort of like, I am interested in getting to know you further. Now, what's beautiful about that is, um, Many women might immediately think, oh, this is romantic. But to a confidently detached man, I think it's not, actually. I think what it is is saying, you look interesting, and you are someone I'd like to be friends with, and I can see potentially, at least from a physical perspective, that there might be some romance here. Yet, I don't know, right? Isn't this, we don't really know until we get close to someone. So essentially, from my perspective, the confident man is essentially just saying, hey, you, Look at me. I am available to be chosen by you. And also saying, oh, and by the way, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm looking to just jump into romance with you. I am wanting you to choose me, and then I am wanting to vet you. Right? This is where women can write the whole story. Absolutely. And we talked about that on our last episode where women, and, and I've talked to so many women about this, and I have fallen into trap myself as well, mm -hmm. where we... We hear all the right things and then we write the whole story mm -hmm. in our heads. Even if we try to pretend that we don't want to. And that's a huge part of the detachment part yeah. is detaching from that story. And that's where it's hard to do because we can be breaking years of conditioning sometimes in order to, to start to become a little bit more detached from that outcome. Yeah. And, you know, I can tell you as, as a man um, dealing with women on DM and in person and everything else, one of the things I find most, I won't say unattractive or annoying, I'll just say that it is something I, you know, kind of notice is that a woman who immediately thinks that, you know, just because you say something nice or just because you are having a conversation that you're immediately interested in her only romantically, right? So they sort of jump to this place where it's like, he is hitting on me in this romantic way. And I think that that is a confidently detached woman should sit back and, you know, essentially say, that's interesting. He's definitely letting me know he could be interested in me, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's wanting to jump into a relationship with me. This perhaps means friendship. It perhaps means romance. It perhaps means any other number of things. And I do think a confident, from, from a guy's point of view, a confident woman um, comes across when a man says, hey, you, look at me, I'm available to be chosen. From my perspective, a confident woman is either going to be like, absolutely, or, oh my God, thank you so much, that's very sweet, I'm kind of seeing someone right now, or, you know, something that would probably be the best of things would just to be, you know, let a man know right from the get-go. I would love to have a friendly coffee or, you know, um, something like that, which would essentially establishes, you know, this idea that, hey, you know, you seem interested in me, interested uh, to me as well, but I'm not necessarily looking at you as a romantic partner either. I like that because essentially what it says is I can go out with you or have coffee with you and I don't necessarily need to see this as a romantic um, interaction right off the bat. It's just two people getting to know each other. And, and from my perspective, some of my best friends have happened 
um, in that way. And so from my perspective, a confident woman is not going to immediately say, oh, my God, he's hitting on me. She's also not going to necessarily um, – she's going to let the guy know her, her, her circumstances, right? Like, you know, a friendly coffee sounds great, you know, or something like that. And I think that men would appreciate that. They appreciate a woman who's flattered, but also who's um, got other things going on, is not necessarily interested in that. And I think that that dynamic uh, of confidence from on both sides leads to uh, just a lot more potentials than just, oh, we're going to be romantic partners or not. Wouldn't it be great if everybody that we felt an energetic connection to, we realized that that energetic connection is not always romantic. In fact, it, it usually, more times than not, it's not romantic. More times than not, we're seeing something in someone um, that it en is energetically, um, you know, uh, attracting us that is not necessarily meaning uh, a great romantic partnership. That a lot of times it's a great business uh, relationship or a really cool friendship or any other number of things but what a lot of people do is they just jump right into this thing it's like uh, oh we're in a romantic thing because you happen to be male and I happen to be female and we're both hetero and we're both single mm -hmm. and I just think that's um, you know sort of a big mistake in that so to me that's how um, you know confidence would show up for men and women but I'm interested for you how do you see it for like how would a confident woman in your mind show up to interactions with you know um men i mean i i think i think mostly how you described it is is a really great start the other thing that i'll say too is is the women that maybe immediately interpret it as being hit on or something like that there can be a lot of layers to that and, and one of several different layers could be that they might not get much attention mm from men. So if they, if they do get that attention, especially from someone who seems really great outwardly, you know, even though they maybe don't know them very well at all. Um, and who comes with presence. I've talked to you about that because, uh, our friend Traver has, has mentioned that before on, on my podcast about the power of presence with males and that there, there are women out there. Again, we're speaking heterosexually who maybe haven't really experienced that and it's like they're starving and then when they come across a male like you like Traver like some of the other men in my circle you you guys all bring this presence that I think is sometimes hard to find depending on what type of men uh, a particular woman is surrounded by mm. or has had in her past. So then even just like a small dose of that can feel like, oh, he's interested in me, mm. even if that's not necessarily the case. So I think that's, that's a caveat that kind of has to be, has to be mentioned there. Um, and there's no, you know, like quick fix to that, obviously. It's just about becoming, I think, a little bit more confident in yourself, developing those skills and really building on, on your self-esteem and, and stuff as well, because that's where you get to the point of being more confident. Like as a woman who is, uh, who can be confidently detached when receiving the male attention, I think, yeah, like not necessarily diving in head first, just because somebody asked you out, like building up your own life in enough of a fulfilling way that somebody else coming into your life, whether it's as a friend or a romantic partner, either one is a beautiful addition. It's not the whole picture. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a really important part to cultivate and that we all need to do this. Like any, any human out there, we need to be building a fulfilling life on our own, even if we're not with someone. It doesn't mean that that bringing in the right person is not an enormous part of that that fulfillment in a really powerful way, but I don't think that it's healthy to approach it from the point of I have this massive void left in me that needs to be filled up. Yeah, that is where confidence just goes down down the drain because then that to me starts to border on the difference between having needs, which every human does versus being needy. Mm. Like I need you to survive essentially. Yeah. Like if you leave me, my life, my entire life will fall apart. And I've, I have experienced like heart shattering heartbreak, like as have, as have you Jade. And, but it, I don't think that either of those things were necessarily for us personally, when we were in spaces of like 
this other person is my whole world yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I, I would agree. I would agree with that. And I think we should definitely talk about the idea of the detached part, because I know some people hear the word detached and go, well, that doesn't sound like something you want to be when you're you that know, was my getting, reaction. Getting yeah. into romance. And I think there's different ways to look at this. So if you don't like the word detached, then think about confidently relaxed, right, mm. is another way to think about this. All it essentially is is saying, uh, and, it, and it really comes from the stoic idea that there's, there's three locuses of control, right? There's the things you control completely. There's the things you partially control. And there's the things you don't control at all. Well, with other people, you almost never control them at all. But once you're in a partnership, maybe you have some influence over people. So maybe you partially control that. But the Stoics would say, <coughs> the Stoics would say, essentially, only focus on what you can control completely. And so when I use the word detached, what I'm essentially saying is I'm detached from the things I cannot control at all. And I'm detached from the things that I only control partly. I'm only attached to the things that I control completely, which really is just the only thing we really can control completely is the way we view the world. But I think if you're having trouble with the word attached, think about just confidently relaxed. And what relaxed means is I am fine right here, right with the way things are going, with the speed at which things are going, and I am comfortable um, whether or not you decide to choose me or not or to text me back or not, or to, you know, send me an email or show me some love or not. And the reason why I'm relaxed and or detached is because this is the rule in my mind about being relaxed and detached. It simply is just that this rule that I is a rule for myself. And this is the idea that in my mind, you never should have expectations for anyone but yourself. So as soon as you have expectations about the way someone else should show up, you are now attached and potentially going to be needy. And the way you deal with that is you essentially go, because I know some people would say, well, Jade, don't you have to have expectations where you're in a relationship? And I would still say, and by the way, you don't have to agree with me. And Emily may even disagree with me here. So we'll see what she has to say. But I say, no, I, abs I say, absolutely not. You should never have expectations for anyone else. Where the expectations happen is it within yourself, meaning that I expect that if the person I'm dating shows up in a particular way or is not responsive or betrays me or lies to me or any other number of things, my expectation for self is I will no longer be engaged in that relationship in that way. So expectations are fantastic. And in my mind, they're only fantastic when they rely on you and you alone. As soon as you put expectations on someone else, you're playing with fire because you cannot possibly have expectations for someone else. You can if you want, but they're going to get blown up repeatedly and you're just going to be like a marionette on a string and, and people are going to treat you like a puppet. You have expectations only for yourself and that means standards and boundaries, which goes back to the confident, authentic piece. You have to know what your standards and boundaries are. And so that's the way that I would see that show up. So I'm curious how that lands on you and how you see you know, this detached idea or this relaxed idea. I'm laughing because you and I had a very long phone conversation one day. I remember exactly where I was. Like you and I were both going for a walk, but in separate countries. And, <laughs> and we had this conversation where we determined essentially this framework that we, that we want to teach her on around expectations, boundaries, and standards. And the differences between the three, because they're very distinct. Standards are the bar with which you expect people to meet. So are they honest? Are they kind? Are they loyal? Whatever your, your core values are, do they communicate well? All of these different things. Whatever core values are that you expect, there's, there's the expectation, in another person, you expect them to meet that bar. That's like the, the you know, minimum requirement to be even considered as a serious romantic partner. Mm -hmm. And now those standards, you you better be living up to those standards yourself too. I'm just going to add a little asterisk to that because you can't be measuring everyone else against that standard and not living up to that yourself. Then we have boundaries. So boundaries are the, the things that we will tolerate and the things that we won't. So if you expect integrity and somebody is lying all the time, 
then that's a boundary, but you have to enforce it. Otherwise, it's just a suggestion. Mm -hmm. So then we get into expectations. And, and when it comes to expectations, we need to have standards. We need to have boundaries. Expectations we need to manage. I think that that's the, the biggest part that we need to determine because it's human. It's natural to have some expectations. But that's very closely related and yet separate from the boundaries and standards part of the conversation. Because when we have all kinds of expectations that we project onto people, then we end up disappointed if they can't live up to them. Mm -hmm. And those expectations aren't necessarily fair mm -hmm. either. We, again, we might be writing entire stories in our head of how we think someone should show up for us, but that's simply not who they are as a human. Maybe just as a, a base level example here, maybe you're someone who texts your partner um, all day, every day. Like you're just into that. That's cool. No judgment. I don't personally have time to be on my phone all day, every day <laughs> conversing with someone. Mm -hmm. I have other shit to do. So if I was involved with somebody who expected that from me and I could not live up to that expectation, then we're going to have a problem that's going to create a conflict. So we have to manage the fact that we can't control or decide who somebody else needs to become in order to satisfy us. People are who they are and we can grow together. We can learn together. We can communicate our needs, our boundaries, our standards, all of those things, all of those things should happen, but we can't expect them to live up to the ideal that we have created in our heads. And you will have a much more satisfying, healthy, happy relationship if you allow them to be and to grow into who they are going to become. That might mean that the relationship does not survive. That also might mean that the relationship becomes stronger than ever. It depends on the dynamic. Yeah, and I, I, I would I definitely second that. I think expectations, I, the way I would describe this, expectations are shaky. It's like walking on, you know, trying to walk during an earthquake. It's, it, it basically is something that um, you certainly can have for other people, but you're probably going to have those expectations blown up. Boundaries are more flexible, right? So now they're a little less shaky, and there's some flexibility there with boundaries. Standards are sort of, you know, drawn a line in the sand. And so from my perspective, you should get very clear on the differences um, of these things. From my perspective, expectations are, and assumptions uh, kind of go hand in hand. So what happens is you meet someone, and I, I love the way you put this, Emily, you meet someone and you essentially assume um, it's, it's just like this old thing, right? Like what happens when you really start getting romantically interested in someone? What you do is you project and assume they're so similar to you, right? Isn't that what you say to everybody? Oh my God, we're so similar. Oh my God, we're the same human. Oh my God, right? Well, those are huge, huge assumptions. And by the way, when you start doing that, then you end up having huge, huge ex expectations because you go, well, I'm assuming you're like me and now I'm expecting you're going to be just like me. And all of the communication begins to go out the window there. Now, over time, that's how come I think expectations are not something you should even bring into a relationship. Boundaries and standards, you should. You should be working to say, look, here are my boundaries. I'm willing to have some flexibility there. You might be able to encroach them a couple of times, and I'm going to communicate to you and say, well, look, you know, that's not okay with me, and there's some adjustment that goes on with boundaries. With standards, there's, you know, I oftentimes say it's like the three strikes, you know, two strikes, one strike thing for me. If I have a standard and, you know, that is a one strike policy. If you lie to me about something, that's my standard. We're done. You know, if, you know, if you are a little less uh, responsive to me or, you know, not a great communicator, that's kind of a boundary of mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work and be flexible within that and see it, but if you have like these definitive assumptions and expectations for me, I'm going to work a little bit more on that, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to be there with you for a while. But the point is, I don't think you can ever, uh, you know, have a situation where you're walking around expecting things from other humans and ever, ever have any degree of happiness inside of a relationship. So. I think we've kind of covered confident, the confident part and the detached slash relaxed part. So maybe we let's go through a couple um, scenarios maybe so people can kind of get a, get a sense of what this looks like. And the first sort of scenario that comes to mind is just what you brought up. So let's say, Emily, you're dating. You've just started dating a guy. And um, you guys are texting uh, sort of back and forth. 
and he is, um, you know, you're getting the vibe, whether it's true or not, you're getting the vibe that he's aloof, less responsive than you want him to be. You're already sort of past maybe the initial romance phase. Maybe you guys have already been intimate, and he's not responding and or communicating or uh, showing up exactly the way you would want. And how would you know this? Well, it's usually a feeling, right? Usually if it's going right, and you know, you, you said you, you were kind of secure, leaning, anxious attachment style. So for you, this would probably manifest of like, I'm starting to feel a little anxious, like what's going on? Um, how would you then show up as a confidently detached person in that scenario? How would you approach him? What would you say to him? Or how would you behave to kind of um, vet that particular guy in that particular behavior, assuming it's something you don't like. Right, right. And something, something I think that's important to note here is to, for anyone to determine how you're feeling when someone is showing up a particular way, I think it's a really important to pay attention to the signals that your body gives you too. Because I've started in recent years, and, and I teach on this too, like paying very close attention to your nervous system. Because your entire nervous system, you may not even know what I mean by that, but your nervous system will tell you when something is off and when someone is making you feel a certain kind of way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I spent years in a previous relationship ignoring that, shoving that down. And now I pay very close attention to it because it's giving very clear signals. So if something like, like what, what you described Jade was happening, um, I would approach the person and just let them know. And it doesn't have to be this super serious, like, I expect three, t three text messages a day. Like, no, no. <laughs> it's, that's personally not how I do things. If you want to be that precise, you, you, you do you. <laughs> but I would just be, you know, it, it doesn't have to be heavy. It can be playful. It can be light. And, to, and as a side note, playfulness is also a really important quality in a healthy relationship as well. So I would just be like, hey, what's going on? You too busy for me? What's the deal? You know, I would just kind of like crack a joke about it. That's also just my sense of humor. But I do think that approaching it with a degree of lightness while also communicating the fact that you are not sidestepping that you're having an issue. You, you still need to be clear in terms of like a, hey, you know, I just happened to notice that... Uh, over and, and give people some time too. That's another thing. If somebody doesn't text quite as much for like a day or two compared to the previous four or five, six weeks, give them a little bit of a break. Maybe they've got some shit going on. Maybe they're not feeling great. Maybe they've got some stuff at work. Give them some leeway. And then if it continues for say days at a time or a week, be like, Hey, what's up? You know, I just happened to notice like, and, and I miss you. That's a really important part too, because I think it's really important in these conversations. It's so easy to either attack someone without meaning to, or to feel incredibly defensive, even if you're not really being attacked. If the other person is just expressing their feelings, it can come across on the other side as they're blaming you. Mm. So this is where communication is such an important part of the conversation because you can be a little bit light about this and you can also express your your desire and your feelings for them in the same conversation like hey i i love talking to you and i just i miss i miss our chats mm -hmm. i miss our our texting or whatever and um what's up you know is there is there anything i can do to support you right now like what's going on for you it doesn't have to be so fucking heavy all the time yeah. we can just keep it a little bit casual and still get our point across while also letting the person know, hey, I'm not here to blame you. I care about you. I love our connection. I love our interaction. And I just want more of it. Yeah. To me, yeah, since I was second that. I would say um, show up as a friend first, you know, in these kind of things. And the way I would probably handle that is what ends up happening with a lot of people is that someone, they feel some distance from someone, they immediately create distance. A confidently detached person, in my mind, feels distance and they immediately close that gap. So from my perspective, if there's a girl I'm interested in and we've been out and we've been intimate and all of a sudden she starts to be aloof and I feel like she's moved two steps backwards from me, then the, my first move as a confidently detached man is to take two steps towards her. You know, uh, some people might say this is being, you know, closing or opening. So from my perspective, she takes two steps back. I'm confidently detached. I take two steps forward. I don't take two steps back because that then creates 
a degree of four for us, of separation. So my first move as a confidently detached person is to, is to give them the law of charity, give them the benefit of the doubt, and say, essentially, and by the way, when I say move two steps forward, it's letting them know that I'm into them in any way that makes sense, right? Um, it's letting them know that I'm there for them in any way that makes sense. Then I watch and see what happens. If they then take another two steps back, at that point in time, I may stay right where I am, still letting them know. And then if they don't move towards me or take another two steps back, then that's when I begin to go, okay, now I'm detached and I'm going to move two steps back. So I, I always think a confidently detached person always, always, always is willing to take the step forward and open as the person steps back or closes. That's the first move always for a confidently detached person. And when you, when you do this, the reason it's so powerful is because you're just showing up as your authentic self and you're essentially letting all your cards on the table. I like you, I want this and that, what's going on? And then it's very clear to everyone, whether it's stated or not, exactly what went down. And by the way, right, like let's say then, because this oftentimes happens, let's say then when you go, all right, I'm going to sort of back off now and just do my thing. And by the, by the way, the fact that you're relaxed and somewhat detached just means you go, okay, not my person. They're not really showing up in the way that I would want them to. Back to friendship, back to, it doesn't mean you start, you know, giving them the stiff arm. That's an adolescent mindset. That's not what we're talking about here. It's just moving back from maybe romance and further towards friendship right? And, you know, sort of that's the way in my mind that you do this. Now, what oftentimes can happen with people, especially narcissistic types and other types who, you know, um, may not be the best thing for you is they'll feel, so this is especially happens with avoidant types. They'll avoid you. And then when you begin to step away from them and avoid them, they oftentimes come rushing back. Now, again, what would a confidently detached person do? Well, if the person takes two steps forward, then you can take two steps forward again until you recognize that pattern. Then once you recognize that pattern, it's time to essentially go, nope, because every time I take two steps towards you, you're taking two steps back. And you just have to recognize that. And this is how powerful it is. It really solves all of the problems that you could have in a relationship because you simply are not playing the game. And by the way, another way of saying confident attachment is saying secure attachment. When you, mm. If you're into attach, attachment styles, secure attachment is a confidently relaxed attachment style. It basically says, I'm showing up like this regardless of how you show up and I'm going to lay all my cards on the table and I'm going to vet you against my standards and my boundaries. And I'm going to be the one who takes all the moves and makes all the choices. And I take responsibility for this. I'm not going to expect you to guess at how I feel. I'm not going to assume you're going to do certain things. I'm simply going to operate from my boundaries and my standards in a way that makes sense for me. And I'm going to vet whether you are the romantic person for me or the friend for me. And then I'm going to essentially cut it off. So to me, that's how essentially um, it works. And honestly, it's a powerful place um, to come from. Because mm -hmm. from my perspective, like, I I'm fine being your friend. And, and this is, I really do think, this is the way you have to show up. Like, you cannot in this, this realm, if you are someone who's just like, I can't see them as anything other than a romantic partner, then I think you got work to do in this particular realm. There are some people who that's just the way it is, and it's very difficult to do that. And, of course, when we, once we are in a partnership, a lot of this, you know, begins to break down because there's a lot of history that happens there. But I still think if you can maintain this way of showing up in all levels of relationship, you're going to save yourself from a lot, a lot of heartache. There are certain people that um, I believe, and Jade, feel free to disagree with me on this. I believe that we maybe should not keep in our lives after a relationship ends. Mm -hmm. For example, anyone who knows my personal history, I was in a nine-year relationship. Uh, it turned out he was um, having an affair for the entire nine years from day one. I no longer have that human in my life because he lied to me every day for nine years. 
And I actually have an incredible amount of compassion for him. I'm actually also very protective of him. I don't let people talk shit about him either. But I I do not uh, wish to have him in my life because it would be an unhealthy dynamic for me. Yeah. I don't apply that to all of my romantic partners. But something like that particular situation, that's an extreme example, obviously. But that's one where... Sometimes there are people that just maybe don't make us feel good and that's okay to maybe not include them in our lives. But I'm glad that you mentioned the opening and closing as, as well, because closing or another way to think of closing is also sort of withholding, shutting down. It's like that moment where someone maybe makes you feel like, Ooh, I don't know how this is going to go. And your instinct as a human is to usually just emotionally shut down and I've gotten to the place now, and we've talked about this a lot, where I challenge myself every time I feel that happening. I'm like, nope, you're going to open. You're going to open. What would it look like to open? What would it look like if you trusted this connection enough to open? If you weren't worried about what would happen if you said how you really feel, what would you say? How would you respond? How would you show up if you were open in this moment? Because closing is... Closing is a method of control and we don't think of it that way, but it's our way of controlling the situation. So when we shut down, then we decide that we are going to, you know, enact this uh, protective wall, this protective barrier that will keep us safe and keep us from any emotional harm. So in some ways we almost detach or try to in that moment. But that's not a healthy form of detachment. That's a very, that, that's a protective mechanism that's trying to exert control over the situation and over the other person to make ourselves feel better. Mm. And I would say it's not detachment at all. I would say it's extreme attachment. Mm, yes. Um, because as soon as you are, as soon as you're, do, you're making choices and doing things based on uh, emotional hurt, you're attached. A detached person is essentially like emotionally I like you and also emotionally I know I'll be fine without you the the other couple things that I think are important here is that there's no way you're getting out of any relationship without pain Mm -hmm. so if you're someone that doesn't realize that then guess what don't have any relationships at all and just stay home and don't talk to anyone because even if these those relationships last until until the day you die absolutely. and they're actually healthy happy relationships we talked about this in yep. our last episode like you will still experience pain and have your heart broken within the context of a healthy relationship absolutely you will and instead of erecting boundaries that are emotionally driven from my perspective you erect boundaries that are value driven and that's what we mean by standards and most people unfortunately and don't feel bad about this because it didn't took me to 40 years old to, to have my standards, but without standards, you are, you are uh, just left out uh, in the storm and you will get thrown and beaten all around with standards. You know what you will tolerate and what you will not tolerate. And the worst thing, by the way, that you can do as a confidently detached person is let someone know about your standards and then not live up to them. Like from, from, you know, uh, and Emily alluded to this before. It's like, if you want honesty, you better be honest. Like, and I mean like honest to, to the core. If you want vulnerability, you better be vulnerability, right? If you want good communication, you better learn how to communicate. Like you have, you know, standards come with some responsibility on your behalf, right? You don't get to be a dysfunctional lying asshole and then have standards about how other people are going to show up in a relationship, (laughs) you know? So from my perspective, standards and boundaries are your protection, And most people don't even think about that because they're too busy asking the question, do I, you know, do they like me? Do they like me? When instead they should be asking the question, do I like them? And how do they hold up to my boundaries, which can be flexible and my standards, which are my deep values that anyone who encroaches upon those is not someone really worth being around and do. And here's the final thing I'll say on detachment or relaxation. Um, being relaxed to me I'm like if you cross that right because I've had my own bout with dishonesty personally and I simply won't do it if you lie to me once we are done period end of story doesn't matter how amazing the sex was doesn't matter how um, you know amazing you know our relationship has been I'm just not going to do that you know um period there you know I'm sure there's something that you know you could say or do that would make me you know, um, maybe give you another chance, but 
chances are, you know, you lie to me, we are done. And that's what I mean by when you are detached and relaxed, it means you mean, you know, sort of what you say. And by the way, the other couple things like with, you know, just for you men, if you want to, in my mind, uh, basically uh, illustrate to any woman that you're interested in that you are confidently detached and it's to show up in particular ways, namely, make plans and keep plans, period, right? You know, be the one who asks the person out, step into that, but also demand that if someone doesn't keep plans with you or is wishy-washy with you or doesn't show up in the ways that are making you feel comfortable, that that's when you're going to either stop taking two steps forward or you're going to start taking two steps back and then be able to communicate that just essentially say listen I was getting the vibe from you um, that you know you're not really interested or you're busy or timing and circumstances are off for us and you know um, that's all that's going on and there's nothing wrong with I certainly have uh, counseled people to do this and I've done this myself to kind of just say before I you know kind of turn around and leave for good Basically to let the person, because relationships are about growth. So the best thing that you want is someone to communicate to you. And by the way, keep in mind, not everyone even realizes what they're doing or why they feel what they feel or, or, or what they're doing. Not everyone is making fully conscious choices. But for a, a conscious person, it is a great thing to kind of do an exit interview in a sense and essentially say, look, I liked you. Here's my thing. Here's what happened. You know, goodbye. That would be my final thoughts on this. What are yours? <laughs> I'm laughing at the exit interview because I actually said that <laughs> to someone. <laughs> it was parting on, like, you know, like very amicable terms. And I was like, should we do an exit interview? <laughs> and I was serious. I was like, mm-hmm. what worked? What didn't? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I think that I really feel that this idea of confident detachment is really powerful and allows you to step more into your own personal power. And I felt that this episode was really important to do because you and I have a few different episodes planned where we're sort of on like opposite sides of the spectrum. And, and on this particular one, we've, we've sort of met in the middle, or at least I'm coming closer to you one or the other. (laughs) But when I first heard about this concept, I think it's really important for us to do this because I was the person who heard confident detachment and immediately was sort of like my, my anxious uh, attachment, which was more, more significant at the time, um, really came to the surface. And I'm like, it was almost like this sense of abandonment got triggered in me. I'm like, what do you mean confidently detached? Like it sounded like somebody was about to leave me. <laughs> I was stressed about it. So I think it's really important to break this, this whole idea down to understand it on deeper levels, because I think that if if more of us were able to to create this sense of, of confident detachment for ourselves, that embodying that would help all of our relationships massively, massively, and really help us to show up as the best version of ourselves rather than hoping and crossing our fingers that somebody's going to choose us. Because that's you know, yes, everyone wants to be chosen. Of course, that's a, that's again, very human, but not feeling like you have to have that, that you'll be okay. Even if things with this particular person don't work out, because we're all going to go through that at one point or another, where something that we wanted to work doesn't work out. Every human on the planet that I'm aware of is going to go through that at one point or another. So I think that that's something that is really important to to think about from this perspective. Yeah, yeah, I love it. All right, well, we'll end there. Thanks for hanging out, everybody, and we <laughs> will see you at the next show. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me, and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.